Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as a foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Hey, welcome back to the program. We are super delighted that you could join us today. And as always, we want to remind you that if you are new uh, to Shouts of Grace Radio, we have a website for you. And on that website, you can go back and listen to 136 or 137 past broadcasts over the last two years. And that website is shoutsofgraceradio.com, shoutsofgraceradio.com. And also, if you do visit that site and you want to drop a hello, a comment, or even a suggestion for a program, we encourage you to do so. Um, and if you are a return listener, we also want to say thank you so much for your support, your continued you prayers for this ministry as we reach out with the gospel across uh, Utah County, the state, and um, hopefully through sharing uh, the, the nation. And so um, we also want to give a shout out to uh, Key Radio for the use of their studios here in Provo, Utah. Um, if you are a regular on the program, you know that here at Shouts of Grace, um, we take a, a, a stance biblically and we apply a biblical worldview through scripture to um, everyday life. And so whether we're opening up God's word and sharing a particular passage or whether we're taking a topic, um, we always try to run everything through what God has to say because we realize that what man has to say pales in comparison. Um, And always, um, I I have people in studio or on the phone. And so today I have two uh, good friends of mine that are in studio. I have Pastor Joe Funicello from Redemption Hill Church. Brother. Good good morning. (laughs) Check in. Roll call <laughs> and uh, and Michael Cunningham also um, a part of Redemption Hill Church soon to be planting his own church. How are you doing, brother? Doing well. Thanks Good. for having me on. Yeah, totally, man. Um, so hey, today you guys, I want to I want to talk about something. You know, we we, we live in a very um, a very different day. I'll say we're we're being pressured by society, um, you know, as conservatives, both in the political arena, as well as the religious arena. Um, and, and that pressure, um, causes a lot of people, um, well, let's just be honest to kind of cave on convictions, right? Um, because we want to be accepted. We want to be liked. You know, I think of what Jesus said when he said, woe unto you when all men speak good of you, right? When describing the church, he, he made, he left no uncertain terms, uh, you know, for, for us to kind of discover new truths when he said, you know, look at if, if the world's hated me, it's going to hate you, right? If it's persecuted me, it's going to persecute you. A servant isn't great at his master. Yet, yet we don't, we don't like that. We, we want to be accepted and we want to be accepted in the world and society and politics everywhere. And, and, and so what I want to talk about today is just this idea. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a familiar story, you know, that we're, that we're all familiar with. If you've been in any kind of a church background, uh, the story of Daniel, but I don't want to focus on the end of the story where he's in the lion's den. I want to focus on what leads up to that. What puts him in a place of, of judgment. And so, um, Mike, I'm going to just go ahead and read this in Daniel chapter six, and then, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a, a number of verses and then I'm, I'm going to just kind of throw something over to you and let's kind of start this discussion. Um, if you have a Bible, you can follow around, uh, follow along Daniel chapter six, verse one, it says Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over kingdoms stationed throughout the realm and over them three administrators, including Daniel. And so Daniel has a prominent position 
in the political arena, right? Um, the satraps are like governors, right? And so Daniel um, is over, he's one of three guys over 120 governors. And it says these satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. And I love this, you guys, because it shows us that believers can be lifted up by God by having an, an, an integrity in their inner self that they're recognized even above the rest. And Daniel was that guy in this amazing position of authority because of a spirit that he had that was very different than everybody else. And so it says um, there in verse, uh, verse four, the administrators and satraps therefore kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption for he was trustworthy and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, O king, may King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the perfects, the satraps, the advisors and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance to enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty established the edict and signed the document so that as the law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the written edict. Mike, what's going on here? This just seems a little... It's a trap. <laughs> it's a setup. <laughs> what you have is uh, you know, there's a there's the, the everything is being set against Daniel. He's being set up against people of God, and um, he's having to navigate that. Yeah, I I like um, Joe. I like what it says here about him. It says that that the people around that he served, it's almost like there's this jealousy, right? He's got he's there, there's the three administrators, and then he's above them, and right. he's got the he's got the king's ear. It's just like. You know, God's elevated him. There's this jealousy. There's this envy. It stirred something up, but there was nothing in his character that they could that they could do to to really bring the guy down, right? So, so what what's going on here? What what did they do? Well, they went after the one place. They said they said they'll find nothing in his character. So we have to find something between him and his God. And so they make a law, and it says in, in uh, verse ten that Daniel knew that the writing was signed and he went home and just as was his custom he went and prayed yeah let's 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 read that again i would like to get your take on it It says in verse 10 when daniel learned that the document had been signed he went into the house the windows in his upstairs room opened towards jerusalem and three times a day he got down on his knees prayed and gave thanks to god just as he had done before those are real important words right because in those words we find Something that's true about every believer in God when it comes to pressure from the outside world. What what is that? Well, the uh, well, when there's pressure from the outside world, you can do one of two things: you can acquiesce and fall back and do what the world wants you to do, or you can, like Daniel did, rise up and say, "I'm going to serve my God, no matter what." And that's what Daniel did. And I'm reminded in the New Testament when it is said that our lives are not our own. Um, if we try to, to please the world, we try to do what the world wants or in any circumstance, 
will end up being the, the fear of man cast as the snare. And, uh, you know, I've been there in my life, and but there was a freedom in saying, um, my life is not my own. And so you you march to what God has called you to march to. And I'm reminded of a story, you know, a guy in, 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 in war, in, sec- in, in Second World War. And they said, how are you so effective? And he goes, I've gone into this war as a dead man. Mm-hmm. And he had tremendous victories. Right. He was already dead. And I think as Christians, we're dead anyway. We, mm-hmm. We're alive to him, but we're dead to everything else. So if we live like that, we have the greatest chance for impact and victory. You can. That's a great, that's actually a great point. Wow. You you can't threaten somebody who's dead. Yeah. <laughs> what are you yeah. Gonna, yeah. Right. What are you going to do? I'm going to take away everything. Oh, wait. Yeah. Hey, there's a lion den over there. So what? <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a great, that's a great point. As Christians, we're crucified with Christ, right? Nevertheless, we live the life we now live. We live by faith in the son of God who gave himself and died for us. And so I think that's, I think that's really, that's, that's a really good insight, Joe. Um, you know, Mike, there, there's something here and, and Joe brought it up. And I guess I just want to ask you, is it possible for us to live a life that wholly pleases the world and wholly pleases God? The short answer is no, but the, um, but the way I'll say that is, um, the reason I like Daniel is when he is a really great case study in like how we live and interact with our culture, because he wasn't looking for this. He was doing mm. everything right. And sometimes trouble just finds you. And that's mm. just something that try our best. It goes against everything. And our human nature is always about do our things right, steer clear of conflict, kind of live our best life and everything's going to work out. And that doesn't work that in this situation, here he is, he's being, he's being godly. He's being consistent. He's representing his faith. Well, and yet this stuff comes down. Is he being naive? I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, not any more than the rest of us. Hmm. I think that, that there's, um, I mean, he was a young man, so obviously that's going to play in, but like, I think he just, his trust was in God. Hmm. And I think that the, again, what the, my favorite piece was just as he'd done before. So it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't that he was trying to work the angles. He was just staying consistent and putting his trust in God instead of his circumstances and letting God define his success or, or uh, trouble or whatnot, just walking it alongside with what God was going to do. When and, you go ahead. Yeah. When you, when you look at his response, I, I gotta be honest, I, you know, there's some tension here for me because, you know, particularly when you, when you run it through uh, the filter of today's political climate, because this is a political thing here, right? I mean, Daniel, D- Daniel is by all intent, you know, for, for lack of a better term, um, Daniel is, is, is a politician in, to some degrees because he's, he's over the governors. He's in a mm-hmm. place of prominence, which means that God can use us, you know, in, in those high places. But the tension is when something happens or a law or an edict in this case is passed, you know, against something that's right, against something that's good and, and evil is, is going to prevail. Daniel goes into his own home mm-hmm. and he just does what he's always done. Like, like what's the, the tension is what responsibility do we have you know, I know Joe, you and I have talked about this. What's the responsibility do we have to fight evil? What, what, what point do we, does, you know, Daniel, what responsibility does Daniel have to go and, and go and say, Hey, this ain't fair. This ain't right. What's going on? You know, he just goes and carries about his business and says, let come what, whatever comes right, right. There, there. There's a tension when I look at that today, because 
I feel like where we're at is there's this desire to push back evil, to push against edicts like, hey, this is this is wrong. 60 million people, a whole generation of people have been killed in the womb. You know, I, I'm not just t- content with going into my inner room and just praying like at, so at what point when unlawful, when un you know, when, when edicts and laws are passed that aren't good and aren't fair and aren't right, what point do we come out of our room and say this ain't right? And what point do we go in? I mean, I, there, there's a tension there. Do you guys feel the yeah. same tension? All day, every day. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, um, it, it just it just depends on, um, you know, Jesus says in John 13, 35, that they'll know your mind, my disciples, by your love for one another, right? And so I think if we operate, you can see people that want to go against things and they're not having love. They just want to fight, whether it be a street witness, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't bear fruit. But if we're, we're desiring to, or we are walking with the Lord and we're doing things in love, we have our, we, we're representing him correctly. But then there comes a time when we absolutely stand. And Daniel did that, right? Mm-hmm. And they tell us, you know, because I, I just read recently, um, any dissent is now they're trying to bring out and say it's terrorism, right. you know. And so this country and our government set up a little different than his. There was a king, but ours is set up by the people and for the people, you know, and the people are supposed to rule, not the other way around. So we do have a voice. We do have uh, a responsibility, and that's the way the founders set up our country. And so, but we'll see where it ends up going out. But there'll be a, there'll be a time. It looks like in the near future, where there'll be a, a great a dividing line, mm. and you have to make a choice uh, which side you're going to be on. Because I don't think you'll be able to straddle it anymore. Mm. Mm, that's a good point. Hey, uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio. You're listening to Shouts of Grace with Pastor Steve, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill, you can visit our website at rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's conversation. Hey, welcome back to the program. We are blessed that you could join us. Uh, Before the break I'm, I'm in the studio today with uh, with Pastor Joe Funicello and Pastor Mike Cunningham um, both with Redemption Hill Church before the break you guys were just talking about what our responsibility is as believers when edicts are passed in the land or laws are passed in the land that actually go against our our faith um, and we're looking of course at the story of Daniel but I I, I want to go back to something that that was mentioned um, you had mentioned it Mike it says that he went into his inner room just as he had done before the reason I like that is because it tells us something about his character. Earlier, it says that he was a just man. There was no nothing that could be found that was wrong in him. But but all those things are good. But this is the thing that really defines it. He went into his room to pray and seek God just as he has done before. So his stance that he ultimately takes that lands him in a place of judgment didn't have anything to do with a zeal that was just this radical zeal that said, I'm just going to go do what I'm going to go do because there's this great cause that I want to hitch my wagon to, right? His zeal and his stance came from a personal relationship with his God, and that is what everything was focused on, and they knew it. And that's why they trapped him 
based on that relationship with God. And so when we look at our country today, look, at I, I see people that are passionate about, about things, right? And, and there's, okay, they're passionate about good things, right? But here's the thing, as Christians, our passion has to flow out of this idea of just what we did before. We're meeting with God. We're on our knees. The Bible says, you guys, when we draw close to God or near to God, God draws near to us. One of the benefits, one of the benefits is when we draw near to God and he draws near to us, he imparts his mind to us, right? This is why we're called to put off the old mind and put on the new. We're called to, to, to do all this. So if I'm about a cause, but I'm not on my knees, yeah. then, then I'm really setting myself up for something that, that could actually be horrific. Talk about the importance, Mike, of, of not just being about a cause, but having the cause actually come from the throne of God because I'm coming close to God as I had done before rather than just kind of latching onto a cause that I, that I think is just. Every pastor runs the risk of just becoming an activist because there's a lot of very worthy causes out there hmm. to, to jump on. And, and I see times that they just kind of specialize in one. And when you focus on the cause, when you focus on the culture or focus on the issue, it becomes the God. But when you focus on God, it allows you to function in our world in a way that is going to bring wisdom and it's going to bring change and it's hmm. going to bring hope because, you know, when you're focusing on God, all these different issues come at you but you're able to persevere through it and gives you a steadiness because your eyes are not on the eight. You're not anticipating each issue. You're focusing on God and he just kind of helps you navigate that as opposed to when you're just focusing on every single issue that comes your way, it gives you, you're off balance. You're, you're cranky. You're, you're in a reactive stance, but when you're in, when you're following God, you're in a proactive stance mm -hmm. and we are called to be, I mean, there's two, you know, different, ways to kind of handle culture poorly. One is just to completely retreat from it and just go the safe route. And the other one is just to fight it all the time. And the, what we're called to be as Christians is salt and light and to transform culture. And that starts in our personal transformation, mm -hmm. our, our relationship with God, our script, our, our spiritual disciplines and our influence of those around us. And then it's that that's, you know, God is going to change things, not us. And you know, it's funny you should bring that up because because Daniel's, Daniel's, you know, zeal for this came from his knees and you say transform culture. What happens at the end of this? Yeah. When they throw him in the lion's den, right? In judgment, what happens after that? The king's response to him. What did the king do to the other leaders, right? It's like, you want to talk about transforming culture. You know, I, I, I look at what's happening in our world today and I think the church is in a, a very, a very dangerous place, right? And here's why, you know, Proverbs 6, 16 says, there are six things that God hates and seventh is an abomination. And he gives a list of them. One of the things is hands that shed innocent blood. When we read scripture and we're understanding what God's word says, and God gives us his heart, that is a cause that is worthy of latching onto because we understand God hates this, right? So when I talk to people that say, well, you, you know, you're just all about, you know, abortion. You're just, that's just your, that's just your single drum that you pound all the time. It's not about the issue per se, as much as it is about the heart of God. What right. God is, God does not like hands of shed innocent blood. Like this is his heart. And so, but I, but here's the thing. If I'm naive to what God's word says, if, if I don't know what God's word says, then I don't know what God's heart is. And if I don't know what God's heart is, I'm going to exhibit my heart, right? I'm going to jump on things and even just things, but in a way that perhaps the Lord 
has not ordained, right? And so I, I, I know many Christians that right now are, are very animated about things that are happening. But like you said earlier, Joe, it's like, where's the heart of God in this, right? I mean, how much time have you spent on your knees? Daniel spent three times a day as he had done every single day. So I'm going to latch on to something. If I'm in that type of a discipline, I'm going to latch on to something that's from the Lord, right? And ultimately, I'm not going to bend or I'm not going to acquiesce to the world's demand. And, and I got to say, we know the end of the story and we know the church does not transform the world and hand it over to Jesus Christ at the second coming, right? <laughs> so, so knowing that, knowing that this is going to be a very tumultuous time and it's going to get worse, the only sanctity, the only, the only, you know, peace I could possibly have in my heart is to know what God wants of me in these last days. I've got to be on my knees, quote, three times a day. And here's where we find, I think, one of the greatest parts of the story that's often neglected. Daniel had a discipline of hearing from God, right? And so if you hear from God, if you have a discipline of seeking the Lord, God does not lead his people astray. I mean, Joe, you are, are you know, you are, you love to pray. I mean, not that we don't all love to pray, but a lot of us talk about it and, and, and you do it. You and your wife are prayer warriors. Talk about in these tumultuous times where where the church is being infiltrated with with carnality and worldly ideas, it's it's influence our politics, it's influence our social ideas of, of what's right and wrong. Talk about the need to pray in this time. Yeah, well, <clears throat> thank you, Steve. You know, in Ephesians, it talks about us in the third chapter of the Lord actually meeting with us in a way that the, the Greek talks about us having a uh, personal experience with him above and beyond just just loving God with all our minds, but the word gnosko, it's a personal, it's intimate. He's going beyond our minds in dealing with us. But with that, I also want to say that being in and reading God's word, my mind gets renewed. So I can track correctly as I spend time with him, my mind gets renewed. Because I'll tell you what, what I put in like a computer into this mind, if I put everything I read outside of what's going on, it will cause my mind to track in a certain way. But if I renew it in God's word and I spend time with him in prayer and intimacy, then all of a sudden I see clearly the fog of this generation and things in my life, the fog of it, it spreads and you see clearly and all of a sudden, oh, there's God's heart in this. And here's the appropriate response. Hmm. Because if I don't put good in God's word and spend time with him in prayer, then I will get what my desires and what what I think is right. And that is not the case. 99% of the time, it's what he thinks is yeah. right. Amen. Mike, in the last minute we have here, um, just, just talk about the importance of um, not being intimidated by, by what the world threatens us with, but being faithful to God no matter what. It has to do with our worldview. When you have an eternal worldview and you read it's, it's, it's informed by Scripture, it puts everything else into perspective. And it allows us to stay calm. It allows us to stay firm. It allows us to stand strong and do it in a godly way that doesn't compromise our witness. And so that's the most important thing is just making sure that we are 
believing in God's word and we have an eternal worldview. Yeah. You see it throughout scripture, guys. You see it in the New Testament. Uh, how dare you teach in this man's name? Didn't we warn you? Ought we to obey God or ought we to obey man? You see it in the Old Testament. You know, bow down to this image and do what we tell you or we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. Well, go ahead and throw us into a fiery furnace. God will be in the furnace with us. You just see the world try to intimidate the Christian, try to intimidate the believer to harness them into this place of compromise where they become powerless and you see the the saints of old say, no, respectfully, King, no, we will die for our God if we have to. And so I want to encourage our listeners as we're out of time for this um, a, a edition of Shouts of Grace Radio, stay faithful to God no matter what. God bless you guys, and we will see you next time on Shouts of Grace. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope that you have been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Shout!